follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Uh, doing good, Shad. Awesome. I have, this, I have this fuzzy thing in my office, and I don't know what it is, and it's making weird noises at me. Oh. There's just one, right? Um, I hope so. I don't have any brain <laughs> silos, so I might be okay. All right. Well... We want to, uh, we're going to do our shout-outs real quick. And we, first of all, thank you all for joining us. Let's do our shout-outs real quick. First, Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That's the number 4, capital C and corners, capital P and podcast, no spaces. Save 10% off your order. They have new designs. If they're not on the site yet, they will be. And, uh... You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and they will be and uh, comfortable, comfortable clothing. <clears throat> it's good quality stuff. It's not arm and a leg expensive. <clears throat> There's a reason that we affiliated with them is because they're they're quality. So, um, oh, and they still have the uh, Shad Gaspard um, uh, shirt that where all the proceeds are going to his family. So. Um, just put that out there. That's also there. And then for our other shout out, we're going to go over to Matt. Oh yeah. That'd be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, I hear that Orlando wants to boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah. And you know what that is, Shad? I where? That's the, no, not where, what? That <laughs> oh, that, that's a segue. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you did that. <coughs> so, yes, tonight, or this episode is going to be, look, we, last week we did Rampage 92, and that was all in good fun, but we needed just a little bit of a break after the episode before that, so we decided that this is going to be a Star Trek episode. Yeah, this actually came out of us. We were talking in our, our group chat about which our favorite movies were. I think it started with me talking about how uh, much the J.J. Abrams movies crushed my soul with Into Darkness. <laughs> That's a heck of a jumping off point, and it puts us pretty far down the timeline. Well, you know, I, I actually love the 2009 movie, but man, that sequel was just terrible. <laughs> And they haven't done a better job with the the TV series since then either. They've done a really bad job of being Star Trek. Um, the 
Mm, let me pull up the, the franchise info here real quick. The um, there's a basically if it came out post DS9 on TV, uh, I haven't watched it. And if it was after the next gen movies, then that 08 Star Trek is the only one that I've gone to go see. Did you uh, watch Voyager? I did not. I watched Voyager and I didn't. Uh, it had occasionally it had some moments, but I, I overall I wasn't that fond of that. I've um I I've tried numerous times to get through the whole show in one thing, <laughs> and the furthest I think I've ever gotten is season five. See, I actually think I watched it uh, all the way through. It's just, you know, what bothers me is it doesn't stay true to its premise. Like they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be stuck in the middle of space, like conserving everything, but they're in the holodeck all the time. Yeah. The uh, I'll take it back. There is one. There's like maybe two or three Voyager episodes I saw. One was the finale because I was like, okay, I got to know how this works, and it irritated me. And uh, one was I can't even really remember the premise. Something about seven of nine trying to remember something that happened. And then the third one had Jerry, Jerry Ryan square off against the rock in some some sort of galactic fighting league thing. And when I say the rock, I'm dead. I don't mean Dwayne Johnson playing a role. I mean, he walks out, he looks like the rock. He talks like the rock. He makes his entrance, walks up in front of the camera and does the eyebrow. It's just the rock. I don't remember that. I, I I've seen pictures. I don't remember it. I was gonna say I think probably the best episode of Voyager is I think it's called the Year from Hell. Where like it's an episode that maybe it's a two parter. It covers like a whole year. Yes, it actually I think it was a two parter. That's probably the that's probably the pinnacle of that series. I would say. So and then and then you have the the rule of the movies. <laughs> that you uh, you watch the even movies to a point. You see, you, you I, get I to Nemesis and that falls apart. See, of the original six, though, one is slow, but I think the director's cut fixes that a bit. I really think of the first six, the only one that I would not act- actively watch is three. You would watch five. Five is stupid, but it's not like it's not five the... is like aggressively dumb in my book. Yes, oh, but yeah. it's still it's still it's it, it's it's three is boring. Five is just stupid, but five is at least stupid in like a memorable way. Uh, five was also directed by William Shatner, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that makes sense now. Mm. <laughs> so how do we want to do this guys what do we want to favorite uh do we want to run down the movies a bit do we want to talk favorite series what how do we want to do this why don't we why don't we start with probably what what is the best piece of star trek um out of everything which is star trek to the wrath of khan which i would say is the, <laughs> the best of the of like everything 
it's I, really good. I don't know that I can give it the nod as the best of everything. Yeah, I don't know if I quite go that um, that far, but it is very good. It's kind of actually out of genre for Star Trek because you could actually take Wrath of Khan and put it into like a submarine movie from like the sixties. Uh, it's very much got that feel. Um, one of the things about Wrath of Khan that cracks me up was the accusations that people leveled that Ricardo Montalban was wearing a rubber chest as part of his <laughs> costuming. And that was just Ricardo Montalban's chest? Like, that's just in what kind of shape the dude was in? What, what I think is great about this movie is something I don't know if I think would not happen in modern cinema because of just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, we've never got into it much on this podcast, but I really don't like modern storytelling in cinema and on TV. But what this movie really boils down to is it's, it's Kirk versus, versus Khan, a super smart guy facing off with a guy who is kind of outmaneuvering him with general experience. Like where, where I think this movie is brilliant is where, they figure out Khan doesn't really understand space as three-dimensional, so they just mm-hmm. come up, like, under him at one point and attack him, which, yeah. is, which mm-hmm. is brilliant. That's true. It's it's the guile and the, the, the you know, like you said, the experience Kirk has is the, <coughs> is great. And then, you know, Khan just has some just outstanding lines. There at the end is from Hell's from hell's black heart i stab at thee i I don't know if that's quote or not but that's a great line and then you know spock dying and that whole scene is just beautifully shot and heartbreaking even even Mm. now yeah yeah the needs of the many that's that's really good it is and shatner really like plays that like you can just see like how there's just so much like you can just tell how destroyed Kirk is by Spock dying. I joke that in that scene, Shatner standing there going, "No, the, the franchise can't end here. It can't, can it? No, it can't, can it?" Yeah, okay, like it's the, not a very good joke. <laughs> the whole um, the whole I have uh, you have been and always shall be my friend. Yeah, like that line that was it was really actually very powerful. Oh yeah, it, and they uh, obviously foreshadowed for the the third film, which I didn't really <laughs> like that much, but yeah. still, I mean, which one? Which one had Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon? Because that one, I three. He takes me right three. now. He, it's just yeah. like you're Christopher Lloyd playing a Klingon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like just say Marty. We have to go back to nineteen. <laughs> like just say the line. If they had had. If they had had Christopher Lloyd in Star Trek VI, that could have been a gold mine. But uh, we didn't get that. Star Trek is oh, really good. Yeah, it is. No, no, I'm sorry. Four, not six. Uh, I'm looking at the list right now, and I don't know why I did that. But I flipped the the subtitles. Four, The Voyage Home. They, they could have had a lot of fun with that. But we never got it. I find like i really really like uh six like i know two is really good but i probably like of the original 
uh, series movies, I probably like six more. You know, so six six exists at a time back in the day where if you didn't see it in theaters, you had to either wait for it to hit the video rental place or barring that, you had to wait for it to hit network TV. And I think the first time I remember seeing this was on like the Sunday night movie on like NBC or something. My dad rented it as soon as it came out. Hmm. And so that's how I saw it. I, my biggest me- remembrance of this is them shooting all the people in zero gravity and like the blood like just just floating around. Yeah, that's like my big remembrance <laughs> of this movie. Part of of what I enjoy about Undiscovered Country, yeah, because there's this whole betrayal plot and what's happened, but then <clears throat> the command crew is so sure they've got it figured out and they keep stumbling into answers. They're so experienced that when they're trying, it's like they don't they don't find it. Like whenever they they found the anti gravity boots. And Chekhov is is gloating about the guy, and then they're like, Chekhov, there's no way that that guy could wear the boots. That's that doesn't work. But and and how they they figure out how to counter Chang's bird of prey and stuff like that. It's <clears throat> like they just kind of come across their answers by just the dearth of experience they have, and they're getting ready to be retired. That's that's a lot of fun to me. Scotty says, I know the ship like the back of my hand and then walks into a crossbeam. You know, it, it, you get a little bit of humor mixed in with, with the, the drama. <laughs> and I get a kick out of the Klingons, too. So, You know, um, have you guys ever seen the, the animated <laughs> series from the 70s? Uh, I feel like I've seen uh, episodes here and there. I think... I think Sci-Fi Channel used to run it like in the mornings, like I years and did, years, yeah. years and years and years ago. I think that's how I saw it, but uh, I didn't see a ton of it. It's decent. They have pretty much the entire voice cast except for Walter, because um, I don't know why he did. Yeah, he didn't do it for some reason, so they just replaced him with an alien. <laughs> huh. That's interesting. It's decent though. Um, if 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 you're watching this and you like the original series, it's actually not a terrible fourth season. Okay. Of the show. You know, I the I know the original show has some really good stuff in it. Um, City on the Edge of Forever is really good, but it's also got some stuff that just kind of takes me out. <clears throat> it. I'm yeah, sorry, we're doing there's movies. One, there's one where I remember they had, like, it was an alien, and I think it was, like, a Pomeranian dog with, like, a horn on its head. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, what's the one, uh, the the thing that I'm, I'm grasping for? Harry Mud mm. just does not land with me. <laughs> it just does not work. You, you know what's funny? I was listening to um I was listening to an interview with Nichelle Nichols um a couple weeks ago and she was talking about the kiss with Shatner. Mm-hmm. And they were it was it was controversial if they were gonna do it or not. And mm-hmm. the director really didn't want to do it, so what Shatner did is he kept making them do the kiss over and over again until they had like barely any shoot time left so they could only do one take of the not kiss. 
So mm-hmm. then he does the kiss, and then he looks at the camera and goes all cross-eyed, and he does the acting really bad, so he pretty much forced them to do the... to do the kiss scene. Oh, okay. And then she I... talked about... She talked about, like... She said they got a lot of reaction, but Gene Roddenberry sent her one of the letters and said, this is the, this is the worst one we got. And she was all like, oh my god, like... The director is right and everything, and then it was... The letter pretty much said, like... I'm like a white man from the South and um, I don't believe the races should be mixing, but um, if a red blooded boy like Captain Kirk had a beautiful dame that looked like a her in his arm, he's not going to be fighting it. Like what's wrong with that boy? (laughs) (laughs) Gene Roddenberry was, um, he was kind of a card. You know, you know what though? I will say with Gene Roddenberry though, he, he, the TNG got a lot better once he was not giving yeah. input anymore, and they mm-hmm. could do their own thing. Well, Roddenberry was so hung up on the idea of the utopia that was like post post scarcity <laughs> society. Yeah, there there was the post currency and stuff like that. It mm-hmm. he got so hung up on that that it actually handcuffed them. Because there's a lot of basic conflict that can't take place that way. I thought I thought it got better when they started doing the... They kind of got into that in TNG a little more and DS9 explored it a little more. Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, Earth is one thing, but when you get out here in the real world, it's um, it's not so cut and dry and easy. Uh, uh, DS9 even went back and, you know, kicked Earth on its side in that mm-hmm. very... I was watching it earlier today. Um, we'll get to it whenever I get to the DS9 stuff. We'll we'll wait. Because if I do it now, then I'm going to go on this whole DS9 rant, and I don't want to <laughs> do that at the beginning. Well, I want to talk about <laughs> DS9, too, because I thought Quark and his, like, philosophy and how he, he really he really showed how like the other side of things are right sometimes mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. the idealized thing. But, um, we'll get back to that. So, yeah. Um, let's go into, <coughs> so my first real love, I came into TOS later though. I had seen it as a child, but my first real love was the next generation because when I was a kid, there was like TNG was huge in syndication. Yeah. So like, 10 years like you it was everywhere like i think the only show that was on as much as tng and syndication was hercules um the legendary (laughs) Legendary journeys the andy griffith show yeah but so so for those of you younger so when we were kids there used to be a thing called first run syndication and this was this was original programming that was just sold into syndication didn't air on a network so um, it could pop up anywhere. Yeah. So, like, I think new episodes of TNG in my market aired at like five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, see, mine aired. I, I mean, I feel like it was like on Saturday nights or something like that. I don't know. It was on. Uh, I've talked about like there was a, a local uh, channel that uh, would air wrestling like in the early nineties like mm-hmm. every day like at the 6 p.m. hour and it became kind of like with like the UPN network and then eventually became like 
you know, the UPN became what CW essentially. It's there's like a long yeah. and winding road as to how like it that its current state. It, it there's like different one like companies that I think there was like two channels that merged into the CW. Anyway, it used to be like UPN, but before you, UPN, it was just like syndicated programming, and it definitely aired on that channel. Yeah, and I I want to say it was like it was definitely at nighttime, and I want to say it was like on Saturday nights, but yeah, See, I was a I was a kid, and you're right, like uh, Brad, that was this was my first love for uh, Star Trek and two, and I had no concept of like the original series, I had no idea, like I didn't know anything about it. I did because my dad was a fan. Now TNG for so it aired on like what you said became the CW. So here it aired on the Fox affiliate. Yeah. Uh, See it for me. Next Gen was the big one, uh, the first one for me, too. But my dad and I, this was a, a, a big memory and a big bonding thing for my dad and I, is we watched it like first run stuff, like on Tuesday, Wednesday night, whenever it was. We would watch it together. And um, <clears throat> that was the big thing for me. And, yeah, it came back on syndication, too. But that was, for me, that's the memory is, is watching it with, uh, watching it with dad that, you know, those new episodes whenever they would come up. And then, um, well, and, and the thing with TNG, so I've watched it a lot. And obviously, I think I think part of what drew me to TNG was the Reading Rainbow guy was on it, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. The Varber. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Brad, you have just pulled up. Okay. I'm sorry. This is going to be a tangent. And I'm sorry about that. But one of my favorite... TV comedy gags I have ever seen in my life. I finally started watching through Community. The gag that has LeVar Burton show up to talk to Troy in um, it's a season two episode is one of my favorite gags of all time because <clears throat> Troy freaks out. And he can't talk, and LeVar Burton's trying to talk to him, and he's just sitting there with his eyes wide, and he can't talk, and it cuts to him. Because LeVar Burton's like, you know, do you know me from reading Rainbow or, or Star Trek? And it cuts to the bathroom, and Troy is sitting in the floor in the bathroom singing the reading Rainbow song, sobbing, because he can't bring himself to talk to LeVar Burton. And it ends with the line, set phasers to love me. <laughs> and I laughed for a solid half hour. So... Apparently, um, also the the next gen cast on the convention scene is just a blast to be around. Jonathan Frakes and Lavar Burton and Michael like they have a ball hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, friend of mine went to go see. He was getting an autograph from Jonathan Frakes, and he had the. You remember the trading cards, the next gen trading cards? Yeah, I have the <laughs> micro machines. He bust. Oh, the micro machines were awesome. Uh, he busted out the next gen trading cards. To which Jonathan Frank stood up, picked them up, goes, he he looks at this, he goes, wow. And then he shouts across the convention hall, he goes, hey, Burton, they've got the trading cards. To which LeVar Burton shouts back, see if they have Kota's trading card. <laughs> <laughs> he, he apparently, refer, LeVar Burton refers to himself as Kunta, like, all the time in, in like, at conventions and panels and stuff, and that cracks me up. He's probably he's probably one of my favorite celebrities, not only for the the work that he's done, but just how laid back he is about everything. Mm-hmm. 
So Sorry, I know that's I, a big aside, but that's too good a story not to tell. I think one of my favorite episodes of TNG is when Q gets made human. <laughs> oh, that's a really good episode. And, and they're like, they're trying to figure out if he's really human, and Guinan's like, well, here, I'll figure it out, and she stabs him with a fork, and she's like, he's human. <laughs> Guinan just being so willing to do that stuff was great. But I, I love the resolution of that because he wants to thank Data for, like, being nice to him. And he's just like, he's like, no, you don't have to make him a human. He's like, I wouldn't do something that terrible to you. And he just makes him laugh. Yeah. And that that was a, that was a really, actually a really nice moment. Because John, John DeLancey, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He was just... His his whole like Q not giving a damn about anything, just kind of amusing himself, was a really fun character to watch too. And he's also um, the guy that plays Q is also excellent in Stargate SG One. I have not watched Stargate. You should watch it. it. That's a very good show. Okay, I, I saw periods of uh of Stargate, but I didn't. I clearly I missed him being on that show. He yeah. was like a side guy, like um with a different department. He was pretty much a dick in that show, too. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to say this, too. Next Gen has my favorite Star Trek ship. I love the Galaxy-class ship. That's mm. the, the look to it. It looks like a an epic, futuristic starship to me. When they... they introduced the enterprise e i was so pissed off i hated it i, I what i liked like about it. well so what i liked about what i liked about this one this is the d right yes so they only did it in like five or six episodes but i loved when the saucer section detached oh yeah and um they used that to fight the borg at some point because they used both um sections of the enterprise i like that it had more than one phaser bank, so it could come out of. I think the the warp nacelles had them. That both side both sides of the saucer section had it, and then I think there were a couple other phaser banks on it. It had uh, rear firing torpedoes, and then it had a three hundred sixty degree phaser bank on the section of the um, the aft section of it, where the saucer connected. It actually had like three hundred sixty degree uh, phaser array on it. Yeah. And, um, Sorry, then, I'm I'm nerding out big. No, I, I I get it. And then they had the um the um the front part had the you could they could use that to shoot stuff too. I don't remember what it was called though. Oh yeah, they, in that they had like an experimental weapon they were trying to use on the Borg that didn't work. <laughs> oh, of course it didn't. It's the Borg. <laughs> yeah. Um. But the uh, something that. Uh, I think is so great about next gen is for, for the most part, the strength of the cast. Patrick Stewart is so good. Jonathan Frakes is so good. Michael Dorn is so good. Like everybody is so good Mm -hmm. in that, that, you know, you end up really liking all of these characters, even if they don't get much screen time. I need to go back and watch. I mean, I, I should probably watch all the Trek shows again, but I should really definitely watch uh, TNG again because I feel like they had some of the best episodes of any of the Star Trek shows. But just in, I mean, really in in 
it's certainly in like genre TV, but definitely, I would even say like of the last like 30, 40 years of TV, like some of those episodes, like, um, like Darmok, that episode. Oh my God. Darmok and Tanagra. Yeah. yeah. Or even Broccoli Darmok and Gelada Tanagra. Even Broccoli and his fantasy world where Riker is like four feet tall. And Troy thinks yeah. it's hilarious because she's like, you really are quite mm-hmm. tall. <laughs> um, they, it does, it does not have what I think is it, what I call the best Star Trek episode, but they have really good ones. And Patrick Stewart, no matter how weird or how dumb the premise of an episode is, mm-hmm. kills it every time. Yeah. The one, the one where he, um, was that the Ferengi where they had Waxana and he like was like, I'm madly in love with you and I'm going to kill everyone because I can't have you. And then the Ferengi are like, no, no, you could have her back. <laughs> I can't remember if that was the Ferengi or not. But this also has my my favorite Riker line is when um, he's on the Klingon ship and he's eating with them. And they're like, well, they'd wonder how you'd endure like what them. And he's like, well, one or both. <laughs> and then they all start cracking up and then the, the his like second in command guy's like he's like he's like you're not what i expect like you laugh and joke around yeah that's something i like about the klingons didn't get much exploration in next gen they got a little bit <clears throat> they did so much more in ds9 and the klingons to me are fascinating they're they're weird they're not it's not a it's not a good structure, but it's fascinating. Well, they needed to, they needed these shows to basically kind of rehab them because they were kind of like heavily used in the movies, but I feel yeah. like poorly. Yeah, I do, I do too. They were, I also think um, they did a good job of like <sighs> fleshing out the Romulans and TNG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that the Romulans were probably the most successful alien adversary race. I feel like in TNG and everything that they did is in their development and in their threat and all that kind of stuff. It's like the Romulans were really the big, not counting the Borg because that's not fair, but yeah, I feel like the Romulans were the big ones because the Klingons and the Ferengi got you know, lots of it got more and deeper exploration in DS nine and stuff like that. I think the Frangi, the Frangi in TNG are not very good, but they kind of hit the right notes with them in, um, in, um, DS nine. Yeah. Yeah. The the very first Frangi episode, Arnon, Arnon Shimmerman, who actually played Quark was in that one. And they were like, this was so bad. The, like, the episode ended up being so bad and going over so poorly that they completely rewrote the Ferengi into the trof- profit-driven money grubber uh, race that it ended up being. So uh, that, that it, it's fascinating to me that they didn't just abandon it and be like, all right, we're making something new. They were like, no, we got to fix this. And then... Um- <laughs> I also like, I think it's the first episode of Oksana's on where they present her with like some bottle of booze and Mr. Home like just happily takes it from him and chugs like this giant like thing of alcohol in front of everyone. <laughs> and it doesn't phase him a bit. Yeah. Mr. He was really the, 
because Luxana, every, you're you're spending half the episode kind of rolling your eyes at her, but um, her her attendant was really the source of the comedy. The one where um, there was one I can't remember what the plot is. Was it the guy that played um, Winchester on Mash? The episode with him where she was like, they actually did some like real character work with her. Uh, I think he was supposed to kill himself because of his age, and she was really like pissed off about it. I don't remember. Oh wow, that's I'm not sure. Now, uh, I mentioned Patrick Stewart killing it, like the the um, captive by the Cardassian one is really good, but for me the scene, if you want to see Patrick Stewart act his heart out you go find the one where um spock's dad oh sarek 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 is supposed to mediate because that's like he is the mediator he's supposed to mediate this thing that's going on but whenever vulcans hit a certain age they start becoming like senile violently and so they do this vulcan mind meld mumbo jumbo stuff to temporarily switch the consciousness. And so it's it's really Picard doing it as Sarek, and he successfully pulls it off, but then you would cut to Picard is sitting in his uh, in his quarters. I think he's strapped to a chair, just, like, losing his mind. Yeah, that was a good one. That was... That mm-hmm. was intense. I think, I think the best Picard <coughs> episode, though, is... Um, the one where he goes on vacation and meets Vaj. Okay, I know which one you're talking about. And Riker gives him that stupid thing that means he <laughs> wants to hook up and <laughs> the totems on Risa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then and then there he's he's in like all this drama with that Ferengi that's after her and they're after this thing and he's at the end he's just like I really don't fucking care people. Just do what you're going to do. He didn't even want to go on vacation in the first place, and they made him go to Ryza, I think. Yeah, that that's <laughs> really good. That's a really good character episode. Also, the episode with him right after the Borg thing where he goes to his brother's oh, house. Oh, he has, and has, they, a, has an emotional breakdown. And they, like, and they, I just love that the brother thing where they just, like, beat the fuck out of each other, and then they just start laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's because... Um, they feel you know what like it's his brother feels like that uh, he abandoned the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there's all this pent up stuff between them. I'm gonna look. At, here's the Wait. downfall of next gen. I'm sorry. I'm gonna go ahead and get this out of the way. The downfall of next gen is named Wesley Eppen Crusher. Uh because they could not. It couldn't just be that, like, Dr. Crusher has this gifted child who's around. They had to, like, structure stuff around him, and they had to make Wesley, like, this pivotal plot point. It was it got better after, like, the first season, and he they more, like, toned him down into, like, the cadet stuff. I thought it yeah. was a little more tolerable. Even, it gets to the point where even, um, like, uh, look... I don't care a whole lot for Will Wheaton, but even on his... I don't his, think anyone does. There are some, but even on his rewatches, 
even he's just like, God, shut up, Wesley. To the to the point where if <laughs> if Wesley Crusher had died, I don't think any. I think that Beverly Crusher kind of would have been like, eh. <laughs> like I feel like we were at that point. I I also think because we'll use him to segue, but I think my favorite character through DS Nine in this is like the Wharf Journey. Oh yeah, that's and, really good. And it's another like I love the small moments on TNG like. <laughs> One of my favorite Wharf moments, and it's also a Riker moment, is where he cooks eggs because he gets real eggs, and everyone's like, "Oh, these are terrible!" And Wharf's like, just devouring him. He's like, "What? Yeah. They're delicious." Yeah. Everyone else is like, "I think they went bad," and Wharf's like, "Nope, we're good." Yeah. <clears throat> Which fed into uh, another, um, uh, another character in in Authority being a cook with Ben Cisco. Oh dude, yeah, yeah. Love to DS Nine got a. You go to season three forward. They finally found their footing, and I think people quit messing with them because I think Voyager was stopping around that point. Voyager was going to start somewhere around there, so they quit meddling with DS Nine, and they were finally able to do the stuff they were wanting to do. It gets so much better. So my favorite DS Nine episode is the baseball game that episode is awesome well there's two the baseball game and when Worf and rom have to rescue moogie was Worf wasn't in that quark and quark rom nog and brunt and the psychopath that they hire yeah Worf was in the baseball the magnificent frankie that's what it's called yeah 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 and then also with the frankie that this is like an early episode and it's only a moment but when um that guy tries to kill Quark and he's like out cold and Rom actually saves him. And Odo's like, you did it like Rob, you saved his life. And then Rob starts screaming. You see an unconscious Quark just smile. <laughs> so I'm going to, Matt, I swear I'll shut up so you can talk some more in a minute. I promise. But I've got to, I got to do my spiel real for me. DS nine is my favorite trick. You get, I don't. Some of the characters I'm not as attached to as the command staff from Next Gen, but I get so much more out of it. The my I think the best episode in any Star Trek series is in the Pale Moonlight. Which one's that? I I don't know him by title. <laughs> That's the one where uh, Cisco gets the Romulans into the Dominion War. Okay. And then they the there was the episode called "It's Only a Paper Moon." where it was about Nog. He got hurt in the Dominion War dealing with his PTSD. And it actually won an an award from... um, I can't remember which group it was. It won an award for its... how it portrayed a veteran going through PTSD and depression, all this stuff rolled in together. And, And it did it through Vic Fontaine, the sentient hologram. And it's just, God, I, I love it. He's so good. Vic he got was a, a little over, who he got a little overused for a while though. He did, but think about that for a second. One of the most beloved characters on the show ends up being a sentient hologram of a lounge singer from like the sixties. And it works. It works so well. 
but you know, Cisco O'Brien, Odo was just great, and they tag um, they tackled some really good stuff. Like the if you go back and watch the Homefront episode about the changelings on Earth, you're gonna look at that and be like, wow, they were like really ahead of what you expected. Okay, now's the point where I shut up for a minute. I'm sorry, I I, I got going. I'm gonna shut up and sit back. I um I watched Deep Space Nine uh, and I enjoyed it, but I don't know. I just I never I guess TNG was my show, and then I I never quite developed as much of an emotional connection to really like the rest of the Star Trek shows. So I liked DS Nine, but I I just didn't I didn't have quite the connection. Um, I'm kind of pers- with you on that, actually. Yeah. Uh, I would say I think to me like my the best episode. I don't I actually don't remember a lot of specific episodes of DS Nine, but to me the best uh, DS Nine episode <laughs> was the Visitor. Oh my God! I forgot to mention that that was so good too. Which, that was a which great episode. That? Which one's that? So this one. It's the one with Tony one, Todd. Yeah. This one basically has uh, so uh, Captain Cisco gets a uh, freak accident like he gets hit by like a a, a warp drive uh discharge yeah and then he basically it, it sends him into uh like warp space and he keeps uh, appearing randomly at different points uh throughout time not like not like ran- like he needs to go back like 100 years he just like in over the course of like the next few decades he would randomly appear but he's always tied to his son jake cisco uh and basically like you have tony todd playing a, an adult jake cisco and he's trying to uh prevent the accident from happening or trying to get his dad back and uh it's a really dramatic uh episode because at the end he figures out like well the way to do that is if i have to, basically i have to kill myself yeah. and that'll kind of break the chain and it it does work um, and obviously, like he's able to send his father back in time to the original start of the accident to prevent it from happening. But it's a very dramatic uh, episode. You see Tony Todd actually yeah. showing his acting chops, which is actually pretty. It, not something he really actually gets to do. He, usually, Tony Todd plays like villain villainous roles. You don't actually get to see him do some dramatic acting where there's a lot of uh, pathos involved. But it's a great episode. It's probably my favorite of the show. That uh, that last scene Tony Todd has in that episode is just heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. <sighs> I am with you, Matt. Like, so I will I will say this about DS Nine. I think overall it's a better written show than TNG. I think the character arcs in it are great. Every character kind of moves along, whereas TNG does move <coughs> a bit over time. But like, it's a more episodic show. So I I think DS Nine is a better show. But I'm still if. If I want to go back and watch some Star Trek, I turn on TNG just because there's something comforting about being in like the Enterprise versus like Deep Space Nine or even like the TOS. The Defiant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah. Like there's just. Like, you know, you know, like, oh, I know, like, oh, the captain's ready room and, you know, 10 forward and all that stuff. It's just there's something comforting about it. I I I understand completely and I still really like TNG. I don't want anyone to mishear me on that. 
just DS9 strikes a deeper chord for me. And I think I think I can I can boil it down to the crux of it is this. On next gen, if something happens, they can just go to warp and leave. On DS9, they have to stay and deal with the consequences of whatever it is they did. And so um I think that's that's the tipping point for me and then or what was the tipping point and then I I'm just full in. I, I look, next gen is really good, don't get me wrong. I just don't love like next gen like a two TS nine. Well and I think I think like like there's there's some really good character arcs in in Deep Space Nine, like Damar is really good, uh Nogs <laughs> is really good, Rom and I think like it really Garrick. Yeah, Garrick. And it really it it maturely delves into like religion and religious intolerance and um there's some real like themes they hit on in that show really well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um it's the 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 prejudice that Odo has to put up with consistently is a huge thing for him. I love Odo is a great, God, Odo is a great character. The, um, but even like Kira, like Kira is like a great character because she obviously went through something terrible, but there's a lot of times where it's like, she's being, she's being a shithead to people that didn't necessarily have anything to do with it. And she even realizes it like later on in the series. And it shows like, you know, just because what happened to her is terrible doesn't mean like she's not in the wrong in that situation. Yeah. She has, she has to grow and come to grips with it. Uh, Kira was oddly probably my least favorite of the main cast for, um, for DS nine. Uh, not I didn't care bad, much but... for Bashir. Bashir intrigues me because of, because of his arc and, what you learn about him like he starts out from being kind of like wanting to be a charmer and you're kind of like uh to like you get to learn a little bit more about him and his um his storyline with the uh the genetically modified people like brings out a lot so i really in like that's what brought me around on bashir and his holosuite program stuff <laughs> like that was fun and i enjoyed it it's just you 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 know bashir doesn't match up to the caliber of character that like O'Brien is, for example. Or Garrick. Garrick is <laughs> Garrick is uh, one of the better maybe the best character in uh and, in, in DS9. An underrated character in the show is Morn. Morn, yes. Who mourns for Morn? And he was just he was just such a talker, he'd talk your ear off. <laughs> I, but... I loved that. It's and yeah. I think um, even, like, Brunt is, like, well-developed in this show. I think Brunt played, like, four different characters in the course of the show. I bet he did. Yeah. Um, and I liked I liked um, the, well, the way they switched Dax around. I thought, like, they really dealt with the ramifications of that very well. They did. Um, I, I wish Terry Farrell hadn't left the show. Like I know there were some some weird circumstances around it. I wish she had stayed on the show though, because Jadzia was 
just such a good character. Like I, I know this, it was dictated by by other things, but and <laughs> and underrated on the villain side is Weyoun. <laughs> like the episode where he's eating pizza and he he just doesn't get it. That's because they don't taste anything. Yeah, the, the Vorta were genetically engineered not to derive any pleasure from like eating or drinking or anything like that, because then that way they would just st- the only pleasure they got was being genetically engineered to being loyal to the founders. And I'm like, wow. That is so evil. <laughs> but you know what upset me? Like, so, um, with, like, Discovery, like, why did they think making a Vulcan the central character was going to work? Because um, even in DS9, like, the baseball episode is a good example of what a Vulcan's like. They're dicks. They are. And so why would you... Why did they think people were going to want to watch a show about a Vulcan? Because they're... No, they're, they're not likable. It's the rare Vulcan that's likable, I think. And they were, I, I guess they were banking on, well, people like Spock, right? Um, Even like Tuvok, they kind of, I thought Tuvok was a big miss. Um, mm-hmm. Matt would, could speak more to that, but Tuvok was just dull. Whereas Spock was like, Spock was kind of, um, uh, what's the word I want to say with him? He it's was not- reserved. He wasn't. No, he was kind of like there was like a he was kind of bristly though. Like Spock had a had a Spock kind of had a, an edge to him. Comes from being that. half human. Yeah, Spock yeah. was kind of surly. Spock was surly. That's the word I wanted. Spock was surly. Tuvok was kind of nothing. Yeah, the the absence of the emotional response takes whoever, a lot out. Whoever wrote um whoever wrote Tuvok thought a Vulcan was like Data. <laughs> well, I mean Data was supposed to be like Spock, so maybe it wasn't too far off, but I don't know. I did, there's there's a lot of problems with um with um with Voyager. I do like the fan theory though that that um Janeway was actually like a ruthless dictator and part of her torturing the crew was inflicting Neelix on them over and over and over again. <laughs> there's like there's the there's all these there's this someone wrote this up once. I I don't know where it is anymore, but they listed out all the ways that she was like this this like malevolent dictator and all the ways she like was torturing the crew on this trip and that was like one of their talking points. Hmm. I'm not I'm I'm not familiar enough with the show to really read into I, it. I really she she's a good actor and I've liked her in other stuff. I didn't like her as like Jane Way. So I watched again, I watched pretty much like the entirety of that show and of of the, f- well, I probably I don't know. I feel like I I like this that show almost least. I think I do too. It had some good stuff at times. It had some decent episodes, but it, unlike uh, definitely unlike TNG and DS Nine, I can't really point to like a great episode. 
You know what it feels like? Um, because I think it had the, it had mostly the same writers through. It, it felt like they were burned out by the time they got to this. They, they yeah. TNG. They ported uh, TNG writers over for it, didn't they? I think so. Yeah. They had some cool concepts in in Voyager that I'm aware of, um, but from what I understand, there's some concept execution stuff. Like there's the uh, <clears throat> there's the the like as it turns out some of the dinosaurs were intelligent and left before the extinction event and species 8472 that's a that's that's like a fascinating idea um but I, I, as i understand it didn't like really come together the problem the problem i have with it is is um I think we actually, about eight years later, we got what Voyager should have been in the new Battlestar Galactica. I think if, I think if they had done that show as Voyager, it would have been mm. great, and just like import more Star Trek isms into it. I don't know if you guys have seen that Battlestar Galactica show. I pieces. I highly, I highly recommend that show if uh, if if someone hasn't seen it because it it's spectacular. Also, mm-hmm. uh, since I'm randomly recommending other sci-fi shows uh farscape <laughs> i give the highest recommendation to i would put oh, that just farscape. under just under tng and ds9 as far as the best sci-fi tv show ever there are some people that um try and beat the war drum about a rivalry between ds9 and uh, babylon 5 i uh, it's not that i don't like babylon i've never <clears throat> just sat down to watch it and you have to, you have to get through a lot of mediocre to get to the good Babylon Five. Well, See, I mean, you had to get through two seasons on DS Nine to get to the good stuff. I personally would absolutely rank Babylon Five over DS Nine, and that's uh, fine. Babylon Five, I guess, because I, it has such a special place in my heart. I love TNG probably over Babylon Five, but Babylon Five is one of the best i would say i would argue it's one of the best sci-fi shows of all time and it's definitely one of the best ones of the last like 30 years i i don't they're so i would probably rank it in the aggregate over like farscape but farscape is such a completely different show that that farscape is crazy yeah i don't feel like that's a fair comparison but farscape is an absolutely amazing show that i need it, to buy i need to get the dvd on that i need to get the entire I, uh the entire show i think the whole thing's on blu-ray for like 50 bucks i'm just looking it up it is uh 5944 <laughs> on, on, <laughs> on blu-ray uh have on you already Amazon clicked Prime. that buy it now but <laughs> you don't know dude like i i had that in my like amazon wish list like for like years yeah and i just never put it I, it was like so prohibitively expensive yeah. It went out of print like super fast. So like it went out of I print. Think... So literally now just looking at it and I'm seeing it's it's like relatively cheap. I'm probably gonna like get that in the near future. And I think when it came out because um seasons used to be expensive. Like when I bought when I bought T and G on I, I this is gonna be embarrassing now, but I'll 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 talk about it. So <laughs> when I got all the T and G's on D V D, this is back in the <laughs> early days of D V D, those were like a hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, they were. Uh, and, um, I remember. 
and I only did it for TNG because it was TNG. But they were like, they were like a hundred bucks a pop. I think they might even have been a hundred and twenty a pop, depending. But yeah, can I give so uh, I think- can I give can I have Go one ahead. more uh, piece of love for Farscape? Uh, Brad, you're a fan. I, I would I would also argue that Farscape is one of the best, one of the better sci-fi shows, uh, at least over the last like 40 years. And I would argue that Scorpius is one of the best characters uh, in the last few decades of science fiction. Like he's just a tremendous character. Oh yeah, he he's great. One of the best villains uh, in in kind of genre programming for in years, and just like really well acted, a really nuanced character. There's a lot of layers to that character. And I would say I would also put Farscape up for one of the best ship designs with the whole like living ship thing. Hmm. Oh, the uh, the Leviathan. Is that right? I think so. You're gonna have to forgive me with Farscape. It's been it's been forever. I I okay. So I have a friend. I haven't seen him in a long time, but the uh, I asked a mutual friend of ours because he's wanting to run like a Farscape tabletop game. I'm like, well, okay, I don't know anything about it, but he wants to run it, so I'm game. And one of my friends took me aside. He says, if you're gonna do this, there's something you have to understand. I said, okay, what is? He goes, you know how. Like, we're Star Trek fans, right? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you don't understand. He is Farscape. Like, that's his thing. And I was like, okay. Well, that's good to know going in. (laughs) You could probably watch the show pretty quick, though, because I think it only had four seasons. Yeah, probably. Um, It's... it's not that I have anything against it. It's just I don't have the time to watch as much right now as I might want to. Yeah, I know. It's a struggle. It 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 is a legitimately great show if you ever get a chance. Like I um it's there's really nothing quite like it, actually. That says a lot in terms of sci fi stuff. Like even visually, like it's a very different show. Yeah, because didn't it use, like, Jim Henson Workshop, like, practical effects? I think so, mm-hmm. yes, and um, it's also not American, I don't think. I think it was, like, shot in New Zealand or something like that. It was, yeah. Interesting. Um, I Just just for the, the sake of, of argument, um, I would say that part of the... Uh, Part for me on the Deep Space Nine stuff is going to be all the all the stuff that we've talked about, but I get that in the Star Trek like trappings. Like I, when it comes to ship designs, I love the Enterprise. I love the Excelsior. I know it's kind of revisionist history, but the idea is that the Excelsiors are modular, so they're real easy to upgrade, but you keep the same ship. <clears throat> you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Like that's. To, that's like I like all that stuff, and then all the stuff they roll into it with the Dominion and that sort of thing. For me to to jump into a whole new universe, sometimes that just sounds exhausting. They Farscape actually smartly edges you into the universe. Like like Scorpius doesn't even show up until the second season. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like well, they kind of putting that out there. 
and like the main character they do like fish out of water with the main character so you get to kind of like be weirded out with him yeah. well you get the outsider protagonist like how everyone has to explain stuff to Luke in uh, Star Wars yeah pretty much yeah so and and they do a good job like they ease you into it like if you watch the first episode you you kind of get to see the ship and the crew and then the next episode they do a little more and they kind of do a little more and then you get like the big bad in the next season and then like that's when you're but they've laid all the groundwork there you're like oh okay like we're we're in this now mm-hmm. um so just to to double back because we touched on it early um when it comes to the movies next gen movies there's 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 only two that don't actively piss me off and i really only consider one of them very good i don't i honestly like have not watched a tng movie since they like came out and i have like no want or desire to revisit any of them even um is first contact a good one yeah yeah um i really like it i like first contact um it brings up some questions I have regarding the Borg. I don't really that part. Like it's like okay, we need that as a narrative device. I'm like, all right, fine, I guess. But the like generations completely pissed me off. I don't hate generations. Oh I would put God. generations in the mediocre one. I think the one that pissed me off was Nemesis because you got all that stupid. They killed Data off. And then you're stuck with B4. Which, okay, B4 doesn't even make sense because Dr. Soon only created two and it was data and lore. So what's this B4 stuff all of a sudden? Doesn't make any sense. And Well, you know, it's, it's hilarious. Like the way they wrote Picard. I don't know <laughs> if any of you have seen much of that abortion of a show. But they don't even seem to realize that lore exists in Picard. I, I have not watched it. Um, or they don't even realize that he created um oh fuck what was his daughter's name Oh that's right They don't they don't they seem to don't they seem to not realize that Laura his daughter existed in Picard which is really like crazy Okay and then they 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 also <sighs> pretend like Picard and Data are best friends in Picard it's like no Picard really wasn't anyone's friend like Data's best friend no. was Jordy like, yeah, that's get it. Picard kind of opened up in the end of all good things. Like he sat down to play cards with the command staff, but that was the first time he ever did anything like that. Yeah, Picard was Mister Stick Up His Butt. So, well, he, he thought that it was important to keep professional distance like that so that he could make impartial decisions. The only the only time he cracked in the crew is he was like. He's, he gave uh, he gave Barkley a command. He's like, go ahead, Mr. Broccoli. And then he, like, looks <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Um, Generations pissed me off because we get this whole send-off for Kirk that we already had that was already done better. It was done better in Star Trek VI. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to put Kirk in this. And it's like, do you know why Spock and McCoy and Uhura didn't come back and... Um, Sulu didn't come back because they already got their send off. They're not doing this. And then the guys that wrote it, um, Braga and Moore, I don't, I don't think they paid attention to anything. 
Like I remember they they were talking about writing it, and one of them's like they would like just kind of talk out loud, and the other one would write it down. And one of them's like, oh, and then Kirk dies, and the other one's like, thought he said, oh, and Kirk flies, and so he writes this whole thing about how Kirk picks up a card and they fly across the sky, and I'm like, what in the shit are you two on about? And what? The, I, what my problem is, I'm with you. The E was a really bad replacement for the D Enterprise. It just, it was supposed to look like a Cadillac, and it looks like. Um, I'm gonna steal a term from regular car reviews. It looks like there's too much wing a ding on it. Like, what what are we doing here? I liked First Contact, and Insurrection was okay. It, Is Insurrection the one where they're like doing their thing during um the Dominion War? Insurrection's the one with the the place where people don't age. Eh, that one is okay. That, that was a bad follow up to First Contact. Yeah. yeah, that was okay. There was just that seemed more like a, a just a longer. Episode. episode yeah yeah and then nemesis the other th- okay nemesis didn't pay attention to itself we already talked about the b4 thing but they're like talking about how picard like you know he has an artificial heart because he got stabbed when he was at the academy right we have seen in the show pictures and memories and video of picard from that time he ain't bald and yet in nemesis patrick stewart sitting there looking at this thing that has bald Picard sitting there when he was at the Academy. Okay, I know that sounds like a nitpick, but it's just proof that these guys didn't pay attention to what they were doing. And it's it's terrible. There's two races on Romulus, the Romulans and the Remans. Your guys are really going to... And the Remans were able to build this giant super warship without anybody noticing... I know, it's terrible. I saw this in theaters, too. It pissed me off in theaters. I saw this in theaters, and I had some very well-meaning friends of mine, God bless them, trying to do something nice for me for a Christmas gift because they knew I was a Star Trek fan, and they bought me a Nemesis movie poster. I left it up in my dorm room because I did not want... I could not bear saying to them... Thank you for this movie poster for this just god awful excuse for a film. You you really should have just bought me some McDonald's or something. I couldn't <laughs> do that to them, right? Like they it it was they were being too nice and thoughtful about it. They just kind of stumbled into something they shouldn't have. I you know what I just don't get about the TNG movies is. It was the same guys that wrote TNG. They came out relatively quickly. I think the show ended in Generations was like a year or two later. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the same people that... I don't think... Well, Rick Berman was involved in Generations. Yeah, but like... But like Picard's like wrong almost immediately. Like, I just don't understand how they... um, How they lost the voice so quick. The... I think the... I... Like the if if Berman came up with the idea about the Nexus ribbon and the guy who wants to divert it so he can live it and that okay that is interesting and could be very Star Trekky and need a big movie for the execution falls on its face so the, badly. In my opinion, the only good thing out of the new Star Trek movies and is the only re- in which which redeems Generations a lot to me 
is them on the holodeck like doing the pirate thing at the beginning of generations like that's that's the only like redeeming part of the new movies that felt like tng to me i, I don't even remember that that's where like data like chucks crusher off the boat into the water i got nothing for you i may have successfully blocked it out <laughs> um first contact. i don't know matt did uh did, matt how a uh, soul crushing was nemesis for you I, I honestly, I I never saw it in theaters. I rented it, um, and I literally fell asleep during it. That's how uh, I fell asleep during a movie that I had actually rented. Like I I could have stopped it. I could have rewatched it. Um, I just I, think, um, I fell asleep in the middle of it, and then I like I've caught the ending of it. But I honestly don't. I, it was so bad that I honestly never. I was like, I'm not gonna rewatch this. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I I think my friends rented Eyes Wide Shut at one point, and I fell asleep during that. And I kept waking up, and Tom Cruise was still in the back of a taxi. And I'm like, "What the fuck is going on with this thing?" <laughs> the thing I got to give. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say good things that came out of the next gen movies. I thought Zephram Cochran was great because you had this guy that everyone looked up to and idolized and he's just like no no i wanted to get rich i wanted money i'm a drunk and they're like no you give it about 10 20 years and he like his reaction to all that stuff i thought was like spot on i thought that was great characterization (sighs) and then we had insurrection and nemesis so what did um what did you guys think about the 2009 movie I actually like that one a lot. I'm with you. I like that. I like the little things it did. Mm-hmm. And I thought it rebooted it. Like, I don't, I don't like, um, I don't know about them destroying like Vulcan and all that stuff, but I thought it was an adequate movie. I mean, I thought I enjoyed it a lot, but I, even in hindsight, like even though the sequels were bad, I still thought it was a solid like reboot movie. I thought it was okay. Um, I get. I'm. I'm. I'm probably going to betray my my mindset on it, but the um, I get nitpicky, like the command structure stuff. It's like how you mean like you mean Ohura being like crammed into everything when like that's not what her character would do. No, um, because there's like up to a point I can accept. Okay. Uhura is like really good with the language stuff, and so they they have her. Okay, and you got Zoe Saldana, and you want to have her on. Okay, okay, you know what? That that's fine. Um, I I do I will say though you're right about the command structure thing though you can't have um two of your commanding officers doing the nasty and that's still really <laughs> cool. The the thing I was talking is in the first movie, they're like everyone they're like no we've got a we've got a huge threat everyone's shipping out. I'm like, that doesn't sound very Starfleet, but okay. I mean, we got to have the plot moving. And it's like, all right, Kirk, you're not going anywhere. And he's like, no, I'm going to be on the Enterprise. I'm supposed to be on the Enterprise. I'm be... And then Pike is like, yeah, sure, you're, you'll be first officer. And it's like, okay, field promotion. I can at least roll with that. And then Pike goes down and Kirk becomes captain. I'm like, okay, he's the main character. This has to happen. But they wouldn't let you keep command of the flagship 
of the fleet because you were some goof who got feel you know who got a field promotion and was acting captain. They might be like, "Hey, you know what? That's good. that you did a good job. Here, you can have this one over here." But you don't get to stay the 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 captain of the flagship. Even in the original series, James T. Kirk didn't he didn't start there. He worked his way up to it, and that frustrated me. And then they were doing what was it? The it was ended. I didn't into like. Darkness I didn't like how they played the. It was funny at the time, but in hindsight, I really didn't like the way they did the Kobayashi Maru thing. No, because that gives it away. Yeah. I mean, yes, everybody knows what it is, but that gives it away. And um, freaking really, Scotty it, uh, making warp drive obsolete with his the teleporter trick he pulled off. I know, but, but what I don't like about the Kobayashi Maru thing is that it actually, you actually, like, ruined Kirk's um, character development in a way because you just made it, like, this funny thing. But, like, in the original Star Trek, like, no, that was a big deal. Like, that showed that Kirk was ruthless. And, it, it, yeah, because it, in, in this one, he's... It, I think in uh, Wrath of Khan, he says that he'd taken it like three times before, if I remember right. Yeah. And so... Part, part of Wrath of Khan, too, going back to Wrath of Khan, part of the lesson that Kirk learns in that movie is that, um, like, Spock dying is kind of Kirk's ruthlessness, like, spinning around and biting him on the ass. Yeah. costing him. Um... And, um, but, and so he does that because he's like, okay, there has to be an answer to this. I'm going to figure it out. But in the, in the reboot, he is, he just hears that it's unbeatable. He reprograms it. And then he's being all lackadaisical about it. And he's going to be reprimanded for it. And I'm like, what is it you guys think? Why? Why did you do this? Right? Like, what made it necessary for it to be handled that way? Because you could have, if you didn't do that, you could have been like, okay, creative thinking, all this sort of stuff, just like the original timeline. Put him on the Enterprise straight without this goofy madcap of like, I got to get on a ship. I got to get on a ship. Kind of stuff. Cut, I don't know, 20 minutes out of the runtime and ended up in the exact same place. Without having to do that. And then um, then the sequel happened, Into Darkness. I don't remember this movie well. I just remember, because my wife isn't a Star Trek fan, but she really liked the 2009 movie. So we, we, I think we watched this on streaming when it came out. And wow, like we were both like 20 minutes into it. I'm like, this is bad. And I was like, yes, this is bad. Then we kept watching it. I'm like, this is still bad. And then we were done with it. I'm like, that was really terrible and really a disappointing follow-up to the 2009 movie. And then a third movie happened, and we didn't even care at that point because the second one was so terrible. It wasn't Into Darkness, the Wrath of Khan remake, that they insisted wasn't a Wrath of Khan remake? Pretty much. And they, they just, like, threw it out there, like, to, like, try and save it. But, I, I, like I said, I don't have good remembrances of it other than it was really bad. And, like, yeah. they were, like, just doing, like, dumb act. It it pretty much, like, turned into a J.J. Abrams movie, which is just dumb action with no real thought put into anything. Trying to please everybody and pleasing no one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I appreciate what he's trying to do when he does that. 
it's not successful, but I appreciate what he's trying to do. Yeah, because I think I think Matt actually we were talking about this in the chat. Matt like actually said something about that movie. I can't. I think he said just like, "Wow, that movie was so bad. I didn't want to even see a sequel." I think he really like encapsulated my thoughts on it at the time. <laughs> yeah. What was the third one? Even did, did either of you even see the third one? Of the new ones? Yeah. Uh, it was Star Trek Beyond. Which had uh, Idris Elba as the villain. It was, it was fine, but it was also nothing special. So, and that basically kind of killed off the the new franchise. Yeah, that it, it, it wasn't bad at all. It was just it just there was really like no reason to actually pay money in, in a theater to go watch it. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like a, make it a joke. It's just no, it's, I know, but I know it, you're not. You you could watch it if if you if you see it on like on demand, you could throw it on, you could watch it, and it would be a perfectly inoffensive like two hours of your time. But it's also like not not particularly fascinating or or interesting. So it's just there, but it didn't do as well at the box office, and that's kind of that basically has been it. Although they did, um, I was interested because for like the last the last year or so, there were rumor. There was all sorts of rumors. Well, I guess they weren't rumors; they were actually legit. That Quentin Tarantino was in talks to do a a, a Star Trek film, which I I don't know if it was going to be like a. I think it was actually supposed to be just like a continuation of this this particular timeline or reality, uh, but I. Th- think i think that's fallen through for now i i think um what i've been hearing is that um they've taken a bath on that all access thing and that um they keep cutting back like i think they've cut back on picard again on its episodes mm. that might be doctor who though i'm getting my i'm getting two franchises that are falling apart um confused right now i think it's doctor who they they've cut back the episode order on but i've heard that cbs is having issues like with money mm-hmm. and um and especially with the pandemic and i know i know discovery went over poorly and picard went over just a little better but still fairly poorly with fans because um they have this weird thing where, like, I don't know what that is. Like, I've heard people talk about it. Like, it can only, it has to have some variation. So, like, that's why you get like the weird ogre Klingons now and stuff. Like, it can only be like seven. It has to have some variation from the old show, so you can't get like a proper Enterprise now because it has to be like twenty five percent different or something. Like, I, I'm not quite yeah, sure. I, I noticed for some particular reason they changed the, the design of the Klingons yet again. I honestly haven't bothered with uh, with either of the new shows just because I, I'm I'm just not signing up. If I'm gonna sign up for another subscription service, like I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do something else. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sign up. I don't know CBS any Star. I don't know any Star Trek fans that like the new stuff. It seems like Star Trek fans tend to prefer the Orville to the new Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like News Trek, they're sticking to season-long arcs that every show does now, which 
I don't particularly like because it's just an excuse to waste time and do filler content, but there's a lot of violence in it, which I don't think is very trekky. And um, I know in like Picard, like they drop the f bombs a couple times, which it's not Star Trek. That's yeah. And they're they're tr- they're doing like they're doing like it feels like from what I've seen of them, they're doing like the edgy teenager thing, like. Oh yeah, like we're we're so like this is so good. Like look at all this violence and people are like swearing and and stuff. Um they're supposedly I I if if they actually come through and do the show and it doesn't sound like it sucks, I might sign up for the Pike show. If they actually do it and stick to like the roots of it. But um we'll see. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I think they're just stringing people along. Mm. I w- I'm just kind of waiting until the um, waiting until uh, the Picard ends its run, so I can get a feel for how the whole thing turned out. And if it if it if I talk to people I trust and they're like, oh, it's, it's it's awful. It's a train wreck. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm okay with not watching it. And, and, like, with the Discovery thing, for me personally, like, I kind of had that problem with Enterprise. Like, stop going backwards. Like, just keep going forward. Like, I don't need prequel stuff. Like, just go go forward. Well, you know, I don't actually... I didn't, I didn't watch Enterprise. My brother and my dad did. It was in a time when I didn't have a cable or anything. But the... Um, the, the idea of going back to... Like the the origins of Starfleet. Okay, you know what? That's fertile enough ground you can play with it. That's fine. But that's been done now. And if you're going to boldly go, then you better boldly go where no one's gone before. Boom. There it, it is. It it feels like they're <laughs> falling into the, the Star Wars trap that Disney's in right now where they can't... They have this whole, like, gigantic playground that they can play with and they can't get out from under the Skywalker shit. Like, it feels like Star Trek's starting to fall into that, like, we can't get out from under the Kirk-Picard dynamic. DS9! (laughs) Well, that's the funny thing, though, is, like, so they were willing to do that in the 90s, but, like, even Discovery, they had to put Spock in it, and it's like, why? Yeah, leave it alone. Yeah, you don't you don't like TNG was different. There hadn't been Star Trek for twenty years at that point. Yeah. So doing like something with Spock who would be old and like doing like clever little Scotty and McCoy things that didn't take up episode times fine. But like they they're using Pike and Sp- and Spock as characters in the new show, and it's just it's just like I don't I don't need any more Spock. I in my uh, life. Incidentally, I I loved Scotty in. Uh... In the next gen episode, I just because he got mad at the computer. No, it one of my favorite things, one of my favorite lines in Star Trek, is them <coughs> is Scotty when when um, uh, Jordy tells him he's like, look, I have to have this done in an hour, and and Scotty goes, well, when did you tell the captain it would be done by? He said an hour. He goes. Lad, you'll never get a reputation as a miracle worker if you tell the captain how long things actually take. <laughs> I love that. That's 
That might be my single favorite Star Trek line. I liked him when he's like, I did when he like he yells at the computer because it needs like more information, and he like starts getting mad at it when he wants to see the old Enterprise. Uh, no bloody A B C or D, <laughs> and he's so he's so sloshed and. Picard comes in to talk to him, and he goes to take a drink, and Scotty's like, that's kind of stiff, and Picard just knocks it back. And Scotty's like, what? And Picard goes, who do you think gave Guinan the bottle? <laughs> and all, this, oh, all of a sudden, Scotty's like, oh, I'm dealing with a real guy here. So, I'm sorry, guys. I ranted and raved entirely too much on this episode. One more thing I just want to point out uh, before we go. Um, the original cast, even though Duhan was dead, uh, reuniting for Futurama, that episode is amazing. I was never really a Futurama person, so I, I don't know. I, I never saw that one. They, so there's like this gas creature that um, took all their heads and gave them bodies and brought... He was like a super fan and then brought him, them to the planet and then they... Um, they fought with the crew from the regular show so it's them doing like a bunch of um a bunch of stuff like michelle nichols is like like i don't know what you're talking about i had to kiss shatner (laughs) (laughs) well guys I, i think that'll about wrap us up and again i apologize for ranting as much as i did on this but um well, we'd love to hear from you guys. Please hit us on our social media, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if, Like we said last time, if you have some requests, some stuff you'd like to hear us talk about, please hit us up. We'd love to, uh, love to hear from you. And next episode, we should have a uh, special surprise. Um, once it's confirmed, I'll put the word out for it. it. It's supposed to happen, but when we try and have guests on this show, things happen sometimes. So um, I'm going to wait until we actually have it before I put it out there. Uh, but this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll see you next time.